For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. So happy you're tuning in. Great conversation today. The one and only Michael Hyatt is on the show. Leadership mentor Michael Hyatt is known for his New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling books. He's advised leaders all over the world. He focuses mainly on productivity and goal achievement. He's got a new book out there that reveals kind of the make or break factor in successful leadership. It's a word that I think gets overused a lot, but I love how Michael dives in and, and breaks it down. It's on vision. His book is called The Vision Driven Leader. It's 10 questions to focus your efforts and energize your team and scale your business. In the book, he explains how we can design this irresistible vision for the organization. And it really is the driver. You've heard me say all the time on this show that it is about getting the organization, the successful, sustainable organization are the ones that can get their people to wrap their arms around something and make them feel like and make them realize they're part of something bigger than themselves. And that should be the focus. And then that way, it doesn't worry what product you're selling. It doesn't matter at all. But if you can create this irresistible vision, kind of this bigger why and and rally your team around it, uh, that's when you start to achieve the impossible. And I'm a firm believer in that. I've seen it work in real life action. And so even if you do have what, you know, a vision in place now, I think you're going to be surprised when you read this book, when you listen to this conversation between me and Michael. Um, he does he looks at it in a, in a refreshing way and it helps, helps all of us go a little further and, and faster. You know, he's got 40 years of experience as an entrepreneur, as an executive. You know, he shares his stories about when he was in the publishing arena and how they were successful and how they failed. And um, anyway, the book is great. Um, there's just been such a plethora of great books out there. And Michael's is is a really – I mean, I read this in a, a night and a half. I mean, it was just that good. And uh, some of the topics in the book is, you know – why vision is the essential ingredient? Are you a leader or a manager? Again, an age-old question. And talks about the differences, but it it goes into a lot of detail that's different than just the quick, you know, some of the stuff I've even presented about the difference between leadership and management. I love in the book too how he talks about why vision statements don't work. I mean, how many times have you been in that kind of vision creation process or the mission, vision, values kind of creation process, and it's kind of done half-assed, and the end product is just an eight and a half, eleven, you know framed picture hanging in the hallway so he he breaks through those that kind of challenge and those those uh, obstacles that are presented there and how to create a vision script and that's the great part of the book is it really allows you to create this the script of how do you create a really impactful vision and i think it's a refreshing book that uh, tackles a topic that i think has been misunderstood and, and overused so it was really refreshing to have michael on the show 
you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Hey, one favor that I ask of you, um, I appreciate you being a listener of the show. If you're new to the show, please take the time. All I ask is that if you subscribe, rate, and review to the show, it can be a little um, time-intensive, it seems like. It, and Apple doesn't make it as intuitive as it should be, but it is getting better. But if you can subscribe on your smart device, whether it's Apple or Android, if it's Android, Stitcher works well, Google Play is another way you can listen to the show. Just subscribe, rate, and review. It helps tremendously to keep us front and center. We're consistently in the top 20 in the Apple podcast under the subcategory management and business. And I appreciate your support because without you, I wouldn't be able to be in that spot. But being in that spot is essential because it allows me to continue to grow the audience, which is obviously important to me because it uh, allows me to continue to grow the business and love to do what I do. This is the free aspect of Dose of Leadership, helping you in your leadership journey. Hopefully you're finding some great value. And if you are, all I ask is take the time to subscribe, rate, and review. It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much. Thanks for being a listener to the show. Now let's get on with the show with the one and only Michael Hyatt here on Dose of Leadership. Michael, what an honor to have you back on Dose of Leadership. It's been a while. Thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, thanks, Richard. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, huge fan of yours. You, when I started this podcast, uh, I was sitting there and I kind of was inspired in December 2012 and I was making a bucket list. I was looking at my bookshelf and I said, what if I started having conversations with all these people? And uh, you were one of the first people, on, you were on that original bucket list. And so. Wow. So Well, thank you. I'm honored. Yeah. So I, I've been a big fan uh, I've been following you a long time, and it's, it's a great treat to have you back on Dose of Leadership. You know, vision is one of my pet peeves, if that's if that the right term, pet peeve, but it's one of the things I'm passionate about as well. But let's talk about that. What you know, It's one of those words that almost kind of gets overused, I think, and people hear it and they kind of gloss over. And yeah, 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 I've seen it on the eight and a half by 11 laminate hanging up in the hallway in the, in the, in the corporate office. What, what is the difference between vision and mission for you, and, and why is vision so important? Yeah, I think a lot of people get few, confused on this very point on the difference between the two. But, you know, mission is really about now mm-hmm. and it's about kind of your why. Vision answers the question, where and what? You know, where are right. we taking this organization? What do we want to achieve? Uh, but where are we going to be when we get there? And so they're related, but they're they're very different. I think a lot of people have experience doing mission statements and a lot of people speak of vision as vision statements. But I have, as as you know, from my new book, The Idea of a Vision Script, which is a little bit more robust. Yeah, for sure. I've always contend that um, I know from my own experience and when I, I was in the Marine Corps as an officer for 10 years and I was thrust in the corporate arena after 9-11 after I got laid off from American Airlines. And that was one of the things that I always, it hit me once I got away from the Marine Corps and the Marine Corps I thought was very good at their vision. And what I mean by that is you don't join the Marine Corps to make a lot of money. Right. And so they're well vested into making you feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself, whether if you're on the front lines, kicking down doors, taking names and getting bad guys or you're in the motor pool, changing the oil in the Humvees. It doesn't matter. You feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself. And I contend that was why my experience in Marine Corps was so great. What do you what do you think when you hear that? Well, I think that's exactly why everybody that's leading anything has got to have vision. I mean, you think about it as a leader, it presupposes that you have a destination in mind. You're leading people somewhere. I like Craig Rochelle says that, you know, everybody ends up somewhere, but only a few people end up somewhere on purpose. Right. So you've got to have, you know, a purpose to where you're leading people. You've got to be clear on that vision. 
when you do that, then all of a sudden people can see that their little actions tie into a bigger story. And having that sense of meaning is critical for job satisfaction and for employee engagement. So vision is kind of the, the bedrock or the foundation for all of that. Yeah, for sure. So what do we do? How do we, when we find ourselves, I mean, what you walk into an organization, you see it, or even if it's your own organization and you're like, where do I start? What, what do you say to that question? Where do we even start? How, how do we even start to find out what my vision is? Yeah, well, I would definitely start with the vision for sure. And I would start by defining what I mean by it. What I'm not talking about is I'm not talking about a vision statement, some short, pithy, clever little slogan that you could put on a coffee mug or on a t-shirt. You know, none of us are that clever. It's very hard to do. And then you could hire an ad agency to do it. But then even if you get it, it's not that helpful. So what I'm talking about is something very specific, a vision script. So it's a written document, three to five pages in length. It articulates an imagined future three to five years out. It's superior to the present. It's something that motivates you and your team and it guides your team in your day-to-day decision-making. So it's organized around, and I know you've, you've read my new book, but it's organized around four different sections. You know, your vision for your team and particularly your culture, your vision for your products or your service offerings, your vision for your marketing and your sales, and your vision for the impact that you want to have. So if you can put that together, that's where I always start with my uh, coaching clients. That's where I want to start because that's going to drive everything else. So team product, what was the third one? The fourth one was impact. Team product. Uh, marketing's the marketing, third one. Right, marketing. And then yep. the impact. And sometimes yeah. marketing and sales, but then impact. Yeah. I like the impact piece. I think when, you know, if I'm sitting there trying to go through these exercises, are there any limitations of how, I mean, this might be a silly question, how big I can dream? Does that make sense? I mean, I, no. I like, yeah. It's, no, there's definitely not. Yeah. You know, where I, where I encourage my clients to aim for or aim for it's in the discomfort zone. Yeah. You don't want a vision that's comfortable. And you know, if it's, it's comfortable, if you don't really feel any fear, if you don't have any doubt, if you know exactly how to accomplish it, that's a vision that's in the comfort zone. And all the goal achievement research says that you have less of a chance of actually achieving it if it's there. If you put it in your discomfort zone where you feel a little bit of fear, some uncertainty, some doubt, you don't know how to get there. You're not quite sure if you can pull it off. That's exactly where you want it. And I give the example in the book, Vision Driven Leader, I give the example of John F. Kennedy standing before a joint session of Congress and saying that the vision was to put a man on the moon by the end of that decade. And people thought he was crazy. Even NASA thought he was nuts because there was no technology to make that happen. But by gosh, they did it. And they did it before the end of the decade. Unfortunately, JFK wasn't alive to see it. Yeah, but sure. it happened about nine years, actually about six years after he said that. Yeah. I mean, it's so much, so much is true about how the, the, the audaciousness of it or the boldness of it. And if it, if it generates that fear and uncertainty and that doubt, I think that's the barometer that tells you you're probably on the right path. I'm a firm believer in that, right? I think, I think if you're trying to make something, you know, where everything is as smooth as possible, you're not, you're not pushing it. Right. And, it's uh, true. And I, I think one big question that a lot of times people put on the table long before they should is, well, how are we going to accomplish that? That how question is important. It's really the question of strategy. Strategy is how you get from here to there. Vision is the there. It's the destination, but strategy is the how. But you can't talk about strategy till you're clear on the vision because depending on where you want to, there's a lot of different strategies to get there. Like uh, every fall, I take my entire family to the beach 
in the panhandle of Florida. And I live in Nashville, Tennessee. And the strategy is typically that we drive south on I-65 till we get just south of Birmingham. And then we go southeast to Rosemary Beach in Florida. But sometimes there's road construction. Sometimes there's weather. Sometimes there may be a big wreck that forces us to employ a different strategy. Conditions on the ground will always determine your strategy. But if you ask that question too soon in a meeting, when you're talking about vision, it'll derail the entire Yeah, you'll go down a path. Vision. Yeah, you're right. You'll go down a path. Yeah. That, so, yeah. Well, and it, people just say, well, I don't see how we could do that. So that shouldn't be our vision. Right. Well, of course you can't see how you're going to do it. Right. You shouldn't be able to see how you do it. I contend that when you get in the leadership space, it's, it's, it's to me, leadership, I know I'm on the path of leadership if I'm sitting there. I don't know how I'm going to get it done. I just know I'm going to get it done, right? Yeah. And that's why I think you're kind of living in that that faith arena. You're kind of living in, in all the great leaders I've worked for. And, I, and when I've accomplished great things in my teams and even my personal life, I don't. I didn't know how I was going to get there. I just knew somehow I was going to do it, right? It doesn't mean that I yeah. wasn't afraid or racked with doubt. And there were times when you're like, wow, this is a gut check. Maybe, maybe I'm not, maybe I don't belong here. Maybe this isn't possible, right? Those, that's normal for that to happen, right? It is normal for that to happen. And I think that you really pointed out what I would consider the difference between a goal and a stand. Yeah. You know, taking a stand is a goal plus commitment, you know, don't know how it's going to happen, but you know, come hell or high water, I'm going to make it happen to the best of my ability. And, you know, that's one of the things I'm, I'm sure you picked up for the Marines. My dad is a retired Marine, so I was pleased to hear you say that. But, you know, there's just this unbelievable commitment to just make it happen. Yeah, it's just, well, and that's why I get so fascinated with all these stories, both in business and in life and in, in history. Um, all the greatness that's been accomplished by every everyday average folks. You know, I think a lot of times we fall down this this kind of myth or we we, we believe this myth that, it's the great person that makes the the greatness. I think it's the great situation with the common person inside of it who kind of embraces this, what we're talking about here, this, the vision, if you will, I, the vision, I, I think the vision gives the fuel a lot of times and it has historically in the past where, you know, it's kind of like the Marines say uncommon valor was an uncommon, you know, uncommon virtue. Right. So it's like the, 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 the common, man, if you will, embraces this larger than life impossible mission. And that gives the fuel and the energy to kind of take it across the goal line. I don't know. I don't know if that made any sense. Totally. No, I I think you're right. And I think that's why even in the midst of this, as we're recording this, we're, you know, in the middle of this pandemic. And, uh, you know, I've had people say to me, I mean, my book launched in the middle of the pandemic. Right. And at first I thought, (laughs) gosh, could we delay the book? Because I don't want to be publishing a new book in the middle of all of retail being shut down. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, no, vision has never been more important. Yeah. You know, and I, I tell the story, another military story, but I, I've told the story many times over the last several weeks, Admiral James Stockdale, mm-hmm. who was unfortunately Navy, but uh, yeah. U.S. Navy <laughs> captain, when he was uh, flying a bombing run in an airplane over North Vietnam, and he was shot down, and yep. he was taken prisoner for seven years. Seven. And so for those years, he was in solitary confinement, two years, totally immobile in leg irons, 15 times tortured to within an inch of his life, but he survived. And we got out years later, Jim Collins for his book, Good to Great, interviewed him. And he said, he said, I'm just fascinated by this. He said, who were the guys that didn't get out? And he said, oh, that's easy. They were the optimists. And he said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, they were the guys that, that got into camp and they said, oh, we'll be out by Thanksgiving. And then Thanksgiving would come and go and they weren't out. And then Christmas would come and go and 
they wouldn't be out. And they thought, well, maybe we'll be out by Easter. And then Easter would come and go. He said they died of a broken heart. Yeah. He said the ruthless were the ones that made it out. And he said there's, and it came to be known as the Stockdale Paradox, but Jim Collins gave, you know, language to this, but, but Admiral Stockdale said this, he said, you got to do two things simultaneously. You've got to be willing to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality. You know, that's job number one for a leader. Number two, you must never lose faith that you'll ultimately prevail and get through this. And that's the vision component. Right. And I think that in a time like this, we've got to constantly as leaders be talking about the vision because vision leaks, as Andy Stanley says, vision leaks and people are like walking around with empty vision buckets. And our job as a leader is to constantly be filling that bucket back up with vision because without it, people perish. I love that. I love that story. And I did have the privilege to meet at Admiral Stockdale when I was in the, I went to the survival school and he came and of course everybody knows his story from, from the Navy Marine Corps side, but to meet him in person and hear him. And he talked about that paradox. Right. And, and when I'm, I'm, and so I, good. and it is amazing. It's like, like, what do you mean? You know, he goes that false motivation. He said that too. He said, and, and I, the false motivation drives me crazy. And that's kind of what that is. It's like, mm. Hey, and I'll never forget that even when I was in the Marine Corps and, and, uh, and we were, I was at the infantry school and it was raining and it was cold and it was miserable and we're waiting and I'm sitting there. I wasn't complaining, but I acknowledged the fact that this really kind of stunk. You know what I mean? And there was one guy walking up back and forth like, and this is what it's all about. Who are motivating day in the rain, in the rain, you know, everything else. And everyone else was like, well, you just shut up, you know? And <laughs> it's like you would, you get more motivation from the guy, just the acknowledgement, like you said, like, man, this yeah. really sucks sitting here in this cold, you know, rainy. Yeah. But you know what? We're going to get through it. You know what I mean? We're together. And That's we're, it. You know? And, and it's so simple when you think of it in that way. But yeah, but I, I can't imagine Stockdale, like you said, it's almost like it's stoicism almost, right? It's like it is what it is. It's not good or bad. It just is. And then ha- right. and then putting in the, the faith component, there's, this too shall pass, right? Yeah. And, and I, I I've, think- I've been saying several times over the last few weeks to people, especially leaders, because I have a big business coaching practice. We have about 400 clients in our program. And I've been saying to them, look, here's the thing you got to remember. You have a 100% success rate in getting through your most difficult days. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. That's but right. you've been totally successful, 100% getting through your most difficult days. And it's true for, for everybody listening to us today, Richard. Yeah. You know, it's, it is a fine line. And I sit there and I, I'm a pilot at American, American Airlines. And, and you see these, these forum boards that we're on. And, well, you see the gamut. And you just see these people throwing out doom and gloom. And then you see other people throwing out kind of the exact opposite. Oh, this will be over before you know it, right? And I'm kind of sitting there looking at both. And I'm like, nobody knows. But I do know That's right. that we will be successful if we choose to be. I'm always fascinated by if you and I can experience the same tragic event. And we kind of are experiencing the same tragic event. Some people will flounder. Some people will sink them forever. Some people will flourish. And I'm always amazed about what does that. If you and I experience survived a plane crash and we were sitting next to each other, you know, you may take that experience and rocket that whole experience and turn into this, a book and inspiration. And then I could turn to drugs and alcohol and never, you know, recover from yeah. that. Right. I'm just amazed by that. Why in the road and the choice that people make. And I think the, the it's understand the power is in that choice, right? It's, it's totally in that choice. I, th- I think, you know, another great book, uh, Victor Frankel's 
Man's Search for Meaning. You know, mm-hmm. he talks about that. You know, the first part of that book, if you've read it, is the story of him in a Nazi concentration camp. Yep. And the thing that, that he contends is that even in the midst of that, when you're brutally oppressed, when apparently you have no external freedom, you still have the freedom in your spirit. Yeah. You know, you still cannot be conquered and, and human freedom and the human will is an amazing thing. Yeah. And even you talking back to Stockdale and those, those POW stories and like what got through them in some of those was just the little victories of the day of like, you know, when they, they learned how to communicate with each other with, you know, broom sweeps and their little code that they have, you know, and they yeah. would tell jokes about, you know, and they were telling it through broom sweep. And so it was just like little victories like that, you know, and, and it, it was made the difference between someone succeeding or. I didn't, I didn't realize till this week, I was reading a story about him that basically they were running a covert CIA operation inside of that yeah. POW camp. They mm-hmm. were, they were giving real live intelligence to the CIA. And so I'm sure that had to give everybody a sense of meaning that was in that camp, that they were doing something really important for the war effort. Yeah. It was amazing how they, they through the red cross and everything else they would send in. And I, and I saw some of the things that they were using, they would, they would send a, a tube of Crest toothpaste and they would have, you know, homing devices in there and they would communicate, they were communicating <laughs> to the outside. It was amazing. It's just amazing. Wow. So tell me a little bit more. So the book, it is amazing. It comes out right in the middle of the pandemic. What do you, so you've, like you said, you're like, you know what? I made the decision. What have you seen? Have you seen any um, surprise benefits out of, uh, of releasing it during the pandemic? You know what I mean? There's always opportunities. Have you seen anything unique happen because of, of the pandemic and the release of the book? Well, I think in the first week of the pandemic, everybody's hair was on fire nobody was really interested. Everybody, you know, was so confronted with all the change. Everything changed overnight, right? The whole world changed overnight. But as the weeks wore on, there was more and more interest. The book hit the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. And so, uh, you know, I took that as a good sign. Frankly, I'd kind of given up on that. All my books have hit a bestseller list uh, up until this one. And I thought, well, you know, I'm not going to have, I'm going to keep low expectations during the pandemic, but I really believe in the message of this book. And one of the things I had to do, and I think this is a good leadership lesson, is I had to ask myself the question, not a disempowering question, like, why is this a bad time to release this book? Right. Because your brain will serve up the answers. Sure. So I said to myself, why is this book more relevant now than ever? Great and so question. I literally just started writing down, you know, answers to that question. And I said to the, to the business people that I consult, I said, you've got to ask yourself that question. Why are your products, why are your services more relevant now in the midst of a pandemic than ever? And all of a sudden that gave them meaning and they yeah. started to talk about vision. So yeah, I think there's been a, a ready market for vision. I think people realize that, you know, the, the old normal is gone, that there's a new normal and the future is something that we have to design. We just can't drift into it. Yeah. I like how you said that we can't drift into it. We have to design it. We have to be intentional about it. I had a couple of marketers on my show. I don't know. It's been about two or three weeks, you know, really when, and we talked specifically about that, like, okay, we've kind of the hair, we've put out the fire in the hair. Um, we've got through the messaging of we're all in this together. We're kind of tired of that now. Now, what do we do, right? What are the intentional, bold, audacious things we can do that, you know, it's cliche to say define the new normal. I can't think of anything better to say at the moment, but you know what I mean? Where you're saying, okay, where are the opportunities in? Cause there always are, right? There are always there opportunities are. in these types of events. Always. Um, you have a, in your book, a series of 10 questions. How, 
and I love how you laid it out that way. And what kind of what we're talking about here is, is the, what do you want piece? Right. And we, we kind of touched base a little bit on it, but when you say what it is that we desire. And so I guess we're in this middle of this pandemic and I'm sitting there asking that question, what do we want? Right. To me, it seems like it'd be the perfect question to ask at this moment. If you were, if I was, you were coaching me and I had this business and say, it's a, um, well, it's, a, it's my consulting business. Right. And so you're a consultant. I'm going to we're in the same business. You know, what should I be asking myself? I mean, how I'm saying, what do I want? What do I want in this, in this case? I mean, where you, where do you steer me with that question? I guess, does that make sense? Well, I would start with the vision question. I'd say, I'd, I'd ask you to step into the future three to five years from now. Let's just pick a date. Let's say three years from now. Okay. Yeah. Step into that future and tell me what you see. Yeah. You know, what, what do you, what would you like to be part of that future and give it to me in the present tense? So I tell the story in the book, back in the year 2000, I was given responsibility for a book publishing division of a very large uh, publishing company, Thomas Nelson Publishers, venerable company, seventh largest pu book publisher at the time in the world. I was given responsibility for this one division, which in, until I took the job, I didn't know that it was dead last out of 14 divisions in the company, had the, the lowest revenue growth. In fact, it was going backwards had the, the least amount of profitability. They'd lost money the previous year. Team morale was terrible because nobody likes to play on a losing team. Yeah. So the CEO asked me the question. He said, how long is it going to take you to turn this division around? Honestly, I didn't have a clue, but pulled the number out of the air. And I said to him, I said, I, I think I can do it about three years. And, you know, kind of hoped that was, you know, <laughs> sort of the time frame he was thinking. And he said, yeah, that sounds good. He said, you got it. He said, get after it. So I booked myself a private retreat. First thing I did, I took my financials, the organizational charts. I took our book publication schedule and I went off and I thought to myself, okay, I told him three years. What do I want this to look like three years from now? And I started writing this down, Richard, as a series of bullets in the present tense. So I said things like these. I said, we publish five New York Times bestsellers a year. Now that wasn't reality when I took the division. We hadn't had any bestsellers in years, but that's what I saw. Then I wrote down another bullet and I said, we published 48 new books a year. Now, the interesting thing about that, at the time I took over that division, we were publishing 120 books a year. As a result of that, our focus was fractured, our resources were spread too thin, and we didn't really give any book the chance it needed to succeed. So I wanted to consolidate that, publish fewer books and give them a better chance of success. Yeah. Then I wrote down a third bullet. You know, these are just like random. I said, I want my teammates to max out their bonus potential. So I came up with about 10 of these things, went back to my leadership team and I said, Hey guys, and I, and I didn't come back. And this is an important thing too. And I talk about this in the book. I didn't come back like Moses with the 10 commandments, right? You know, right. God gave this to me. Here it is. Let's do it. No, I said, Hey guys, I've been thinking about the future. I've jotted down a few notes and I think I got some things right. I'm probably missing some things, probably some things just need tweaked but I need your involvement to get it right. So I want to have a conversation about where we're taking this division. So they were all in and they rolled up their sleeves. They got into it. We got it tweaked till there was alignment. Then we unfurled this to the entire team. Everybody got super excited because now all of a sudden we had a direction. That division went from number 14 to number one in revenue growth and profit, not in three years, but in a year and a half. Yeah. And I really credit that back to the power of a vision. That's where it's got to start. Yeah. So you, you asked me how, what I would ask you, I'd say, well, 
I'd ask you, what do you see in three years? What would you like to see? Yeah. And I, and what you said there, the clarity and alignment is so clear. And what, what I, well, let me say this, cause, cause I've, I've asked the question. This is what people have told me. I want to be a hundred million dollar company. Mm. What do you hear when you say that? To me, that misses the mark on a vision. Am I, am I missing the mark on that? I mean, cause that sounds like a goal to me. Do you see what I'm saying? Cause everybody wants to yeah, be a hundred no, million dollar company, but well, asked- I think it could be both. I think that, I think it could be both. I think that could be one aspect of the impact section of your, you know, yeah, vision I'm script. Because even in our vision script at Michael Hyatt and company, we have revenue and profit numbers. Right. But that's like only one component. Right. You know, this, our, our document happens to be a five page document and the revenue and the profit take up two lines, you know, in the whole thing. And it's the last thing. The impact is the last thing. It's a result of getting the team right, getting the product right, getting the marketing right. Yeah. And I, I guess what I was going with that is like, of course, you want to be a hundred million dollar company. I get that. But what is, and I like what you said, and and maybe it is such an audacious goal of wherever you're at. If, if my business is, you know, if I'm only making a uh, hundred thousand dollars a year to say that I want to be a hundred million dollar company is a pretty audacious goal for three to five years. Right. And is it practical and everything else you go through? Anything. But when I hear somebody say that, and if I was saying that, I'd say, well, why do you want to be a hundred million dollar company? Right. What is sure. the impact you want to make? What do you want to do with it? And that's where I think I would get, I want to make a hundred million dollars so I can do X, Y, Z and make the campsite better than I found it and create this. Does that make sense? You know? And- yeah, totally. And I, I would also say that there's, there's a fine line between your discomfort zone and your delusional zone. <laughs> right. Yeah. I want to be, so, in, I want to be a center for the Chicago bulls is in the delusional that's zone. That's right. Right. Yeah. Right. That's the delusional zone. So I had a trainer one time that, uh, you know, you spend a lot of time with your trainer and, and he was talking to me about, you know, one day he got all amped up about goals and he had read my book, best year ever, your best year ever. And it's all about goal setting. And he said, okay, I got to go. My big goal for this year. You want to hear it? I said, sure. What is it? He said, I'm going to make a million dollars this year. And I said, well, Andy, let me ask you a question. How much did you make this year? 75,000. <laughs> I said, well, yeah. I said, first of all, nothing wrong with making a million dollars. You know, God bless you. I hope you get there. But I said, I think you're in your delusional zone. Yeah. You know, and I think to, to get to a hundred million, if you're doing half a million this year, I had, you know, no idea, but just to illustrate the point, you know, to get there in three years, is it possible? Yeah. Probably not probable. There's probably an intermediate goal that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what, that's, that's what I'm trying to get, get out of that for sure. Well, what do you, what's next for you? What are you hoping to accomplish? You get in the book, you're in the middle of the kind of this release and the publishing. What are you hoping it happens to you, to the book over the next say one to two years? What are you looking forward to do as, as you're pivoting well, now with the new, with the new normal? Yeah. Well, I do a new book every year. I'm working on a new book for next year that is basically on what I call the double win. That's not the title, but it's how to win at work and succeed at life. So to me, success can never be one-sided. And I think there's a lot of people that are in business today that unfortunately have sacrificed their personal lives, their marriages, their health, a lot of those things kind of on the altar of blind ambition because they, they want to hustle more and they want to achieve some big, hairy, audacious goal at work. And to me, I, I just have said, look, I don't think it's either or. I think it's both and. And I think when you have constraints, like for example, I don't work weeks or weekends and I don't work at night. You know, I, I generally work about 40 hours a week. Uh, last year, my company's income or our revenue rose 62%. And yet I took 160 days off. 
So to me, that's winning at work and succeeding at life. My average client, when they come in, in the first 12 months of our business accelerator coaching program, their revenue grows 67% and they carve off 11 hours off their typical work week. So to me, that's winning at work and succeeding at life. So that's everything in my career, everything that I publish, everything I do, including vision, you know, kind of fits under that umbrella of the double win. I love that. I love that, that approach too. I agree with you hundred percent. I think that, uh, I know even for me, and I've talked about it on the show many times about how it, it kind of changed. And this is in the vein of what you're talking about. And when I stopped looking at, I want to be successful in, in shifting it and going, I want to lead a significant life. And I mm. started asking, you know, particularly when I coach men and I sit there and I've, I can't tell you how many times I've asked him in the initial meeting to see if they'd be a good client. And I go, what is it you want to do? And I would hear things like, I want to be successful. I want to get in the C-suite. I want to make X amount of dollars a year. I want to do this. I want to have this house. I want to have this. And I go, that's all great and well. I said, but what, let me ask you this. What is it? What does a significant life look like? And I call it the melt, right? And I see him kind of shift back in their chair and their shoulders slump a little bit. And they're like, hmm. And invariably, whereas I guess when I'm asking what a successful life looks like, it's always about those monetary goals, those kind of um, how people perceive me. But when I ask about the significance, almost invariably 100%, it's like, I want my wife to be proud of me. I want my kids to be proud of me. I want to, yeah. you know what I mean? It's all about that that meaty stuff, right? And that's why I love what you're talking about there about it's about priorities, right? It's like, what is your priority? And totally. I think, and that's what you're talking about. And that's what you're so good at. And I'm excited to see this new book come out when that happens a year from now, because you're so right. Because that's when I had my splat moment. Cause I was just focused on the other, right? I was working 70, 80 hours a week. Me too. And totally ignoring my duties as a husband and a father. Right. And it's not until I, yeah, me too. the whole encompassing thing, that's when it started to shift for me. And it's too bad I didn't realize that in my 20s and I had to wait till my 40s till that happened. But, you know. Well, but. it happened for me too. You know, it was an executive coach that got with me after I'd had some real success. And I said, man, I, I just, I can't keep working like I'm working. Yeah. You know, I, I've, got, I've got to develop a life. And so the first thing he had me do was develop a life plan and get really clear. And I, and I really credit Stephen Covey with this idea, you know, begin with the end in mind. Yeah. And that's really how I approach everything. You know, I've got a book on life planning called Living Forward that yep. I did with my co-author, Daniel Harkavy. And that's all about beginning with the end of your life and then working backwards. Right. And this book, The Vision Driven Leader, is all about doing the same thing for your company. It's kind of a life plan for your company, if you will. But begin with the end in mind and then engineer it backwards. Yeah. I love your stuff, Michael. I really, like I said, I think you're one of the ones that Thank really you. taps into to everything that I live and breathe here on dose of leadership, but I know my listeners and there's a lot of spillover between your stuff and what my listeners do. I know a lot of my listeners are fans of your stuff and um, I just think you do great stuff, man. I really, I really love your stuff. Thanks so much. How can it means a lot. How can people uh, learn more about you, this book? I, you were telling me in the, in the um, pre-recording that you had a special link for my listeners. I would like to hear a little more about that. Do. Yeah, all you have to do is go to visiondrivenleader.com, visiondrivenleader.com slash Richard. Don't forget the slash Richard part. Buy the book anywhere you want, whether wherever better books are sold, Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, your local bookseller, wherever you can get it. But save the receipt. Come back to that URL, visiondrivenleader.com slash Richard. Give us your receipt number just to prove that you bought it. 
and we'll give you $200 worth of free bonuses, including an online tool that's really cool called the Vision Scripter Tool. And that'll actually take you by the hand and walk you through the process of getting a vision script about 70% of the way there. And then you'll have something you can take to your team and fine tune it. Awesome. We'll have links to this in the show notes. Um, anything else that people can connect with you with besides Vision Driven Leader? You want me yeah, to point them anywhere else? Just uh, MichaelHyatt.com is, you know, everything's there. My, my coaching programs, my online courses, my membership site, everything can be found at MichaelHyatt.com. Awesome, Michael. He's a legend. He's one of the good ones. And if you if you haven't been connected with this stuff, now is the time. I can't believe that you came back on my show with and gave such great nuggets. And it's an honor to have you. And I'm proud to have you in the Dose of Leadership Tribe. Thank you for coming on. Well, thanks, man. Anytime. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dose of Leadership brings to your world. Go to doseofleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concepts of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we're together. And until the meantime, make it a great one.